The Alex Rub Fishing Podcast is powered by X2 Batteries. If you demand the most out of your battery, whether it's lithium or AGM, whether you're in a kayak or a boat, you need to check out X2 Power Batteries, making the best batteries in the business and keeping up with all the demands that us as anglers have while we're out on the water. Go to x2powerbatteries.com to check out the full battery selection. Yeah, baby. Wonder if all my bad decisions get accounted in the algorithms. No statistician could dissuade me from my bigger vision. I know my occupation's quite an unlikely place in this world to occupy and talk about upon a daily basis. Our information's predetermined by some biased business. We all in sermon to Silicon that push up lovely neighbors. I'm done with paper chasing, think I'm on the bigger Ladies banquets. and gentlemen, here we are. Another Friday Night Live, another live stream of the podcast. And I'm excited. I'm always excited. I always say that, but I legitimately am excited because there's a lot of people who want to come on the podcast and, and they want to talk to me and, and and the thing is is I normally invite really cool people who I think are cool to come on the podcast and, and John's no different we're gonna to get to know him here in just a second but what was really cool is for the first time ever like someone called me and wanted to actually like talk about the podcast before we got on the podcast and so I was able to get a vibe and John definitely passed the vibe check and so he's here on a Friday night live on a podcast and, and we're about to get after it. and so to introduce our guest Mr. John Sukup two-time MPFL winner Elite Series Angler, MPFL Angler, so Dual Series Professional Angler, um, used to own the Bass Tank, now owns Save More Outdoors, General Badass, and I just called him a serial entrepreneur, which I like serial entrepreneurs, and he said he's also <laughs> a serial killer and really likes cereal. So, John, which which one is your favorite cereal? Man, I, I got to go with the fact that I'm not eating much cereal nowadays, so it's like almost anything. I, I'm not... Golden Golden Grams. I golden think that's grams. I think that's what I like right yeah, now. Yeah, Golden I think Grams. I'm a Golden Grams. I dig that. No, yeah, yeah. I, I don't eat much cereal yeah. either. Too much sugar, but like, yeah, Lucky Charms was always my go-to. Like, if I'm gonna eat sugar, <laughs> I'm literally gonna eat enough sugar yeah. to kill a small horse. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah. But no, John, how you doing, buddy? It's, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're on the podcast. It, did I miss anything in that introduction? No, man, it's great. I think I I think I just am excited to get on. And 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 get in the mud with Rudd, you know, mud around with Rudd, Rudd a little bit, like Rudd around a little bit. I like it. We're going <laughs> to Rudd around just a little bit. We are. We're going to get in the mud with Rudd for absolutely certain. I love the moniker too, the underdog. So explain that to me. Yeah. What it, What is the? I mean, obviously, we all know what an underdog is, but why? Why do you take on the moniker of the underdog? Uh, let me tell you the quick version. Okay. It it all started on a on a cold February day, nineteen eighty two. When a, a wide-eyed, blue-eyed baby boy came into the world. This is the short version. Snow you, want was me, co- you want me to do the shorter version? Snow, snow was coming in through right, the fast, windows and ninjas fast, were everywhere. Fast, 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 fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Okay. So I took I took, I took, took to the milk real quickly. Mm. And... <laughs> Dude, you're... No, listen, you are my kind of human. I love... I love a smartass. I love this. Let's go. I love this. This is going to be a great stream. There's going to probably be some obscene things said tonight, and I'm all about it. Like, this is great. No, I'll keep I'll keep it clean. I'll keep it clean. Um, Please don't. But uh, <laughs> the underdog, the underdog, mm-hmm. the underdog. So I had a life experience last year. Mm-hmm. Life came at me, man. Life came at me like it does, like it's done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, man, listen, uh, my, my story, my life story is I've been an underdog. I've, I've carried a chip on my shoulder and 
and I fought life and I, I don't always fit in. I'm a black sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, I do things my way. I do things a lot differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't come from anything and I've built something. I've lost something and I've built things and I've lost things again. Mm-hmm. And last year uh, it was no different, man. It was a very, very tough. It was almost one of those years where if I started talking about all the negative things that came, it, it really brings the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I locked myself up. I locked myself up. I went into a little bit of, a lot of a depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent about four months in a place where I don't normally spend or allow myself to go. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's taken the rest of the year uh, to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I put up about the biggest, worst finish on the professional fishing uh, series on the on the elite. My rookie year in the elites, it, I mean, I finished 100th place out mm-hmm. of 99 anglers. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that I finished I finished 100 out of like 103, 104. Yeah. And uh, it was about as bad as you can get. And statistically speaking... Um, nobody finishes that bad and then bounce backs and becomes the, one of the great names and stays on the elites. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore I'm fighting the statistics, man. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, I'm a dead man walking. Mm-hmm. I'm the underdog. I'm the greatest underdog in Bassmaster Elite Series history. I'm tired of being in the closet. I'm tired of hiding and being quiet. I'm tired of, of, uh, dealing with some of my, my stuff that I've dealt with quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm ready to come out, uh, build my new brand, build, mm-hmm. save more outdoors, promote it. And, mm-hmm. And just declare myself, man, I'm the underdog. If you if you have struggles and fights in your life and you look upon all these uh, the rich kids that are just dominating the sport of fishing and you're just sick and tired of it and you want an old man with a little bit little gray in his beard to, to root for, <laughs> you feel like an underdog, maybe yeah. a Cinderella story. Yeah. I, I'm your guy. I love it. I'm your guy, man. I love that. Yeah. No, I do. I love that. It's uh I feel that deep because it's been the hardest year of my life as well. Um, I lost my dad in May. I lost my papa just a few few weeks ago, right before Thanksgiving. Um, and it's literally been the hardest year of my life. You know, I had to watch my dad literally die of cancer and just wither away to the man that I never thought I would see him be. You know what I mean? And and, and watch that process. And so I feel that deep, dude. And I love I love the attitude. The the one thing that stuck out to me is you said if I talked about all the negatives, like you, it's like you can't eat, I, like that's where I'm at is like if I if I told you about all the negatives, all it would do is consume me, and so it's not worth that time to talk about all the negatives. I got to go search for the positives, and and I've been diving real hard. I'm I'm kind of it, it's funny like I, I feel like I didn't know that, and and now that I do, it's like we're kind of on similar paths here where I am really diving into you know, trying to help people that are in similar situations to me by just talking about like what I'm going through. And, and so to hear you say that and, and be willing to put that out into the world and kind of have that vulnerability in that moment and in this moment that you're in, dude, that's, that's awesome to hear. And so that's cool, dude. I, I love that. And it, and it gives me some hope because that's one thing you were right. I mean, it feels like right now, bass fishing, tournament fishing, fishing industry, whatever you want to call it, man. We're like in such this negative ho-hum, woe-is-me moment in the industry and with people and like so many people are grabbing a hold of that moniker. You know what I mean? It's just like, look at me and how bad I have it. And I love to hear somebody go, no, we're going to turn the script on that and we're going to look at, hey, I'm the underdog. Yeah, it's I sucked, but I can be better. And so, dude, I, I love... I love that. We're going to get into that more here in a minute. We're going to really dive deep into that. But first, I want you to tell me tell me about Save More Outdoors. We were talking about it a little bit in the green room. Let's go ahead and kind of talk about this new business venture that you're in. And tell me a little bit about your history of, I love it, there's a logo, shameless plug, Save More Outdoors. Um, 
Um, tell me kind of the, the, the journey that you've gone through in business ownership to get to save more outdoors. You know, I might actually take a step back and as quickly possible, take a, take a step back a few years because I'm going to, I'm going to bond with you a little bit, Alex. Let's bond, bro. Let's bond. Um, I love it. I look like, I look at a, at a bearded, beautiful man, a double X size man. I'm a triple X. So if anybody wonders what the sexy is, it's the triple X right here. That's right. That's right. So I'm, I'm a big boy too. Uh, my heart got broke, man. My heart got broke in 2017. Mm. My, I was, I was a tile setter mm. for 20 years when I was married at a young age. My wife and I've been married for 20 years. Mm. So I've been a tile setter for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. We had no heat, no running water, no air conditioning, and a 19 foot travel trailer. That's all we had. We didn't have a penny to our name, man. My, my, my sister-in-law moved in, mm. uh, with me, um, went with three kids mm. And we lived, we had four twin size beds in a travel trailer, 19 foot travel trailer. And, mm. and I mean, life was tough, uh, early on. Uh, my mom and dad lost their place. They ended up moving in next to me. My father-in-law got sick of cancer. Mm. I spent the last few months of his life holding him in his garden as he passed away and watched him shrivel to nothing. And, mm. and 20 years old, I had experienced a lot of things in life that a lot of 40 and 50 year olds are experiencing. So I, I always kind of was a little bit ahead of my time when it mm. comes to maturity, mm-hmm. but it did, it still didn't prepare me for the time when my dad got cancer in 2017. Mm. Uh, I'd been through it. I knew what was going on. I knew the signs of it. So it was my second round for this. Mm-hmm. But this was my man. This was my dad. This was the greatest human being I'd ever seen in my life. Yep. You know, I used to watch him rip phone books, you know. Yeah. And um, and he shriveled down to nothing. And he is the one that introduced fishing to me. Mm-hmm. My first word is fish. That was my first word. This is my first word I ever spoke was fish. Yep. yep. I grew up watching all the pros, the Jimmy Houston's, the Roland Martins, the Orlando Wilson's on TV, the Hank Parker's. That was the, the TNN bass fishing. I mean, I, 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 I would wake up my dad in the morning. I'd, I'd wait until they started catching fish. If I woke my dad up too early on Saturday morning and they weren't catching fish, man, he was kind of frustrated. But at 6 a.m., you know, as a youngster, I mean, I'm talking about like seven and eight years old. Yeah. I, I'm so addicted at this point in life and fishing. That's all I ever want to talk about. Yeah. People always made fun of me as a kid because I loved fishing. I played a lot of other sports, too. But I, I dreamed of being a bass fisherman all my life, being a pro when I was a kid. Yeah. But then when life came on quick, uh, I didn't fish from the time I was 19 to 27 years old. Didn't mm-hmm. fish, couldn't. Mm-hmm. I had a late tile. I had to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't have much. Didn't have anything mm-hmm. to speak of, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And. So in 2017, at this point in time, I've been fishing. I've been doing some fishing. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I went and fished the coasters, uh-huh. and I ended up qualifying for the Coastal National Championship. Uh-huh. Now, now I'm going to tell you, man, I'm, I am a man of faith. I believe that every, everything that happens, there's a, there's a purpose and a reason, and it's for the betterment of us. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't always understand it, and it don't always feel good. Matter of fact, most of the time, it does not feel good. Nope. Uh, carving character out is not easy. It's like chiseling granite. Uh-huh. Man, it's going to take some hardships to come our way. Uh-huh. And, and I was about to, you know, experience some of this the next few years of my life. I did decided to not fish the national championship because my dad was dying of cancer and he didn't tell me it was terminal, but I knew he was, yeah. you know, the, no, the words were never spoken. Yeah. And, uh, so a buddy of mine, Kyle Cordiana for FLW tour called me and he said, Hey, he said, he said, we're headed up to the, you know, to the tournament. Are you heading this way? And I said, no, nah, man, I didn't tell him what was going on. I just said, Hey, you know, uh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. He said, well, you'd be dumb not to. You might qualify for the Force Wood Cup. And uh, we kind of laughed. You know I mean? That's, mm-hmm. that's a long, you know, come on now, mm-hmm. right? I've never really fished at a national level. Mm-hmm. And this is my first time to fish a, a big national. I fished a couple of Bass Nation National Championships, but not, not like, you know, not like this. 
And uh, my dad was sitting there right next to me. And he looked at me and said, hey, son, he's like, I don't want you to miss this tournament because of me. So I, I saw him, you know, he taught me everything I knew about fishing up at that point in time. And so I called my buddy that was calling where he qualified too. And I said, hey, man, let's go. So everybody else is practicing. We're on the road driving up there. Uh-huh. And we get up there with about with two days of practice left. Uh-huh. And this is where I'm going to tell you how things work out, man. Um, how I got into fishing. This is the true story. This is the, and this is my side of the version. And this, and tell me that this ain't a, a thing that you can't see God in, man. Absolutely. I, I, I launched in the back of a Creek. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, one early morning and I, I did not have mapping because I was on the East side of the country at that time I had hummingbirds and I was on the East side of the country. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have mapping. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about prepping for that. Mm-hmm. And so I start running across from the, by the Creek and it's in the fall. And the lake's down about five feet. And I'm just not familiar with Kentucky Lake. I'd never been there. Uh, and I look over and the water's, the water's brown. And then I look over the water's green. And then the water's brown. And the water's green. And the water's brown. And all of a sudden, I realize my heart jumps. I'm running across shallow bars. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and some of them, I even saw dark spots. I was like, that's a stump. Yeah. So I looked up and, and I saw a buoy marker. And I ran to the buoy and I stopped. And I dropped the boat in the buoy, figuring that was going to be some kind of channel of some kind. Yeah. And man, my heart's pounding. And I told the guy that's with me, I said, Johnny, man, I about killed us. And he's like, what's going on? I said, you see that brown water back there? I said, that was not brown water. That was the, that was the bottom. Yeah. And he said, well, what, what are we going to do? I'm like, I'm nervous. I can't run around this place. I'm thinking Kentucky, you know, going out ledge fishing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I said, we're going to fish this thing like an Okie. He's like, what's that mean? So I picked up my spook. I went to the first point that was there and I threw it out there and I'm like, Ch-ch-ch-goosh. three pounder eats it. And there's like 20 or 30 fish with it swimming, you know, yeah, swimming yeah. with it. Yeah. And, and John, Johnny's lures over to the side yeah. and all of a sudden blows up on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I said, look, that point over there looks just like this one. So we went over that point and I threw that spook and I'm goosh, the big one eats it. it. Yeah. So I start rolling my hooks. By the end of the day, man, I've had, I don't know, man, I don't know how many keepers I actually had. You know, I'm going to use the word number 30 again, yeah. but I did have a, a group of eight pounders swallow this spook. Hooks were rolled, clear, crystal clear water and like three foot water. Yeah. And they were fighting over it all the way back to the boat. One would spit it out another one would eat it. Yeah, the one would awesome. spit it out. At the end of the day, I got that phone call that you get. You know, the one from your buddies that really haven't figured things out and they don't yeah. call you unless they're trying to pick up a hint, yeah, but yeah. they ain't going to ever call you yeah, and give yeah. you a hint. Yeah, you know, yeah. those buddies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I try to avoid <laughs> those people, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I got that phone call and the phone call came in and, and he said, Hey, man, how'd you do today? And I was like, Dude, I, you know, I had probably like 25 pounds and yeah. I've been, and I've had all these bites I told him and everything. And, He's like, you are kidding me. I said, no. He said, dude, I've spot. I talked to at least fifteen pros yeah. today, and nobody got a bite. No one got a bite. Huh. He said, I don't know what you found, but you found what you need to find. So the next day of practice, I ran to Nashville and got me a chip card so I could safely maneuver the lake. The lake, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I ended up top ten in that thing. Went back out the next three days, caught fish, top ten it, and qualified for my first, you know, major term of the year of my life, which was the the Forest Wood Cup in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. So. I got to share that experience with my dad. Yep. I sh- uh, he unfortunately uh, he never he never made it to you know to let me to watch me fish the yep. Forest Wood Cup. He passed um, before the Forest Wood Cup when it came around. Mm. And so by the time I was at the Forest Wood Cup, I was just in a good spirits, man. I was in a good place in life. Uh, I felt like I felt like God allowed this have happen with my bond with my dad. Mm. That dad, my dad got to see his boy qualify for the mm. Forest Wood Cup. And at that time in life, I thought to myself, you know what? This is just a gift. This is going to be, this is the peak, man. I've peaked yep. out in the bass world. This is the final. Peak. So I enjoyed every moment of it. Yep. And I ended up breaking down. My boat broke down both days. Before oh. Wood Cup. <laughs> the second day it was broke down so much that I ended up going in early when I finally got it started. Uh, and as I went into the weigh-in, 
um, that's when it spawned the official idea of the bass tank yeah. to start and to sell fish and electronics and to fix those kind of solutions. And man, that, that idea that I had that I, that I built, put all my effort into, mm-hmm. it grew into, uh, uh, I mean, a national brand that opportunity allowed me to fish at the MPFL level. Mm. I went to the MPFL, you know, not knowing how I could compete against all these guys nationally. And somehow, man, tell me I wasn't blessed again. I won the very first event. So I'm the only first time winner ever for the MPFL. And then I, I won the third event too. So I won two out of the first three events on the MPFL. Um, the second year of the MPFL, there were some issues that happened the first year. Um, and we didn't know if the the league was going to, you know, go on. Mm -hmm. And so I went ahead and rolled in the opens to just make sure that I had a format, you know, to promote my brand and everything on. And, uh, I, I ended up leading the opens points, uh, for about six or seven events. Now I slipped a little bit towards the end, but I ended up squeezing in and qualifying for the leagues. My first, uh, my first try out at, um, at the open. So everything for two or three years there was, was just rocking. And then, uh, then last year, <laughs> then last year came, man, yeah. you know, yeah. and last year came and, and, uh, that's why we had to rebrand ourselves as the underdog. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that story with me, man. I, um, I get it, dude. It's, it's, you know, is, is it not like a weird thing? And this is something that I experienced. It's like, it's, there's this weird happy, they're like, you find happiness in like just the total, just sorrow and miserableness of, of a parent passing. And like, it sounds like you had a relationship with your dad, just like I had a relationship with my dad. I mean, you know, my dad was my dad and he was my father, but we had entered a point in our lives where he was more my friend, if not my best friend in the whole entire world. I mean, still my father, but we were both grown men and we had started, you know, it had been, he, he would mentor me and still be my father, but it had moved into like, he would call me and ask me for advice about things. And I would call him and ask him for advice about things. But there's this like weird moment in just like the miserableness of that loss that you start to find little pieces of joy. And it sounds like, you know, even though you're on the back end of the worst thing that could possibly, one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. I mean, the only thing worse than losing a parent would be losing my wife. I mean, I would literally fall into shambles. I don't even, I don't even know what I would do. The whole, my Alex Red fishing would fall apart and I would disappear is what would happen if (laughs) Bethany, if something happened to Bethany. But it's weird how you find like small amounts of joy in those things. You know what I mean? And it's not, like for you, it was obviously fishing. It being in that tournament, even though you broke down, I mean, it's just like that. I'm alive. You know what I mean? And to me, I think that's what makes a man is when you can find those pieces of happiness in the miserable moments. And I also think that that comes because when you do experience death like that and you see a parent wither away to nothing it's an ego killer and i think that right now kind of going back to what i said earlier what we're dealing with in the world is a lot of people who have a lot of ego because they've never experienced anything hard or bad and when you experience hard and bad things it makes you the man or the woman or the person that you're going to be and i can see that in you like I really can just talking to you and, and and hearing you tell that story, it's like there's not much ego left because 
you know, what else? Like it's, it's all been stripped down to the bear, the bear, like the nerve, you know what I mean? Like you, the nerve has been touched and been hit and you've had to build back and been torn down and you had to build back and now you've been torn down again and it's time to build back again. And it's like, all you do is put your ego aside. You put hard work in the front. You stay dedicated to good habits and you succeed. And there's no, what else are we going to do, right? I mean, like, where else do we go? Like, that's the only thing we've got to do and the only place that we can go. And I don't know if you feel that, but like, I feel like that's kind of where in your journey right now, that, that I feel like that's where you're at. Am I right or am I wrong? Man, it's either that or a GoFundMe account. It's one of those buttons. Yep. And who can, you and who's, who's going to give a shit? That's what I always say. Like, you know, I'm going to put a GoFundMe up there. You better have a good reason to give me money. You know what I mean? Like just being, just being and going fishing ain't a good reason to give somebody money on a GoFundMe. I don't know, man. Listen, how about we, instead of doing a GoFundMe, why don't we do a GoFundMe and our fund's going to be on the bass boat. So like they can just provide all that we need to make our fun just to be living our life and and having fun. Yeah. Go fund me account. I love it. I love that. I love that. Just help <laughs> no, put- man, it's hard work, dude. It's it's tile, dude. Like, you know, I mean, I'm talking about industrial commercial tile, too. Yeah. I mean, people think it's not true, but, you know, you're young and you're strong. We're throwing, you know, two 80-pound sacks of concrete, one on each shoulder. So you got 320 pounds. You're running upstairs, mm-hmm. and you're taking all the pride in the world of it, and you're making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But your body's telling you, dude, you can only do this for so long. Mm-hmm. And then, so, I mean, to all... My boys out there that are still laying tile, that are still in the construction, I'm 41, that are above my age and beyond, that are still doing it, like, you know, the tip of the cap to you guys, you're making it, you're taking care of your family, you you know, you love your kids, you got a marriage, I've got uh, 20 years, man, we, we were married 20 years this year, the most proud moment of my life has probably been the top five, that's probably, besides, I got four kids, the births of my kids, and and the fact that, you know, through thick and thin, through tough times. I mean, dude, we're not, I'm not going to pretend and say that I was the most perfect husband and I didn't ru- like have opportunities to completely ruin our marriage just by my ego and things I said or did that mm-hmm. were just stupid. Mm-hmm. And especially a young, out of fear, you mm-hmm. know, as a young kid, not knowing what life's thrown at you, or how to deal with it. And my wife too. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the fact that everybody around you is dying at a young age and you got all these responsibilities? Yep. You know, you don't even know really how you're going to survive the next day and pay your bills and, if if you've made it through that and you still got a loving wife and you're still a loving husband, um, I, dude, I, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's a badge of honor as yep. far as I'm concerned. But it, and it is, man. And I mean, I think, I think it's just, it's taking a moment and realizing how blessed we actually are. I mean, there's, you know, the thing is, is, so I'll give you a little back story on me. And I don't, I mean, I've shared a little bit of this on, on YouTube and on the podcast, but I've never really told anybody like my journey to where, how, I mean, they know how I got here. You know, I was a teacher and all that, but before I was a teacher, I actually worked at a hospital. I was an EKG tech, but I was also trained as a, to respond to all the codes. And then I was also first responder trained. And so anything that went on outside the hospital in the premises of the hospital, we were responsible for it. And so when I was 18, I was doing chest compressions and and trying to bring people back to life. You know what I mean? And so it's, you know, same thing is not the same as you, but in a similar way, it's like you realize like, man, I can't do this forever because if I do this forever, I'm literally not physically, but mentally like I'm, I'm just, I couldn't take it. I hated that crap. Um, and, and it, it forged it like, that's just one of those things that in life, it's like a, you know, it's like a pivotal moment. It's a critical moment, like where you realize how blessed you are because you are around people who don't have their health. 
Another critical moment in my life is a lot of people know this, a lot of people don't. Both of my sisters are adopted from Haiti. I went to on a, on mission trips four times to Haiti. My dad went down there over forty times, and he actually pioneered the uh, independent adoption process from Haiti. So that means it like used to is mm. kind of like China, where like you know they would pick your kid. Well, my dad figured out how to pick the kid that he wanted and not have the government do it for him. And that's how he got both my sisters here along with six other uh, girls and boys that came from the same orphanage. And so I went to a third world country, the poorest third world country in the Western hemisphere. And I saw people starving to death and they had worms so bad that they were literally boring out of their face. Again, critical moment in my life where you realize how blessed you are. So wrap that all back around to where we are right now. And and what we're talking about is like people need to check themselves before they wreck themselves. But the problem is the check is never going to come if they've never experienced a hardship. And now how you translate that to somebody that's never experienced that, I have no idea. And I don't know if you can, but what we can do is we can be vulnerable and we can have these conversations. I mean, like I can promise you, dude, there's not a lot of men especially in the fishing space that are sitting here talking like this to each other. And that's like what I want this podcast to be and what I want my podcast to be. And what I I like, it's cool to have this conversation with you and for you to be as comfortable as you are with yourself to like, kind of let the wall down and go, Hey, here's what's up. This is me. And this is the way I feel. And I think dude, that, that those are the things that are going to start to hopefully change people's perceptions and attitudes, you know, and I say fishing in fishing, but in the world as a whole, we just exist in this little weird thing that is bass fishing, right? I mean, like it is the weirdest job in the world to have. It's the weirdest industry to be inside of because because everybody thinks <laughs> yeah. it's like this big when really it's about that big and everybody knows everybody and everybody knows everybody's business for the most part. You know what I mean? But it's just yeah. a it's a it's a weird thing to be in. But no, dude, I just want to tell you. I mean, like I I can't tell you how much I appreciate just you your willingness to talk about this stuff. And I mean, we've spent 25 minutes talking about it, but I think that what it does is, is it is helping people to understand like you're a human, like just a normal human who lived life and who just now has like one of the coolest jobs in the world and gets to go bass fishing all the time, but it has its ups, it has its downs. And so tell me where you are as far as like mindset, mentality, I know we've kind of talked about it, but we're going into 2024. We've got a brand new elite series season coming up. We've got a brand new MPFL season coming up. Like what, what is the, what's the junction point? Like what's the plan? What, what's the lever that's going to be pulled? That's going to enwrite the ship. Like how do you, how do you start going through that process? What's that look like on a professional tournament level where you've got to go execute? What's that look like? John is about to get into some juicy stuff here that really has nothing to do with fishing and everything to do with mentality, and it is absolutely beautiful. But there is one thing when it does come to the high level of fishing that he's about to get into is that you got to have good equipment, and the best equipment on the market as far as batteries goes is X2 power batteries. I trust my entire existence to X2 power batteries. Maybe not my entire existence, but definitely a lot of my professional life hinges on whether my X2 power batteries work or not. I've got an X2 power battery in my truck that starts my truck. I've got X2 power batteries in my boat that runs my boat, starts my boat, runs my electronics. I've got them that are in my kayak. I've got them that run some of my GoPros. I mean, my entire professional life hinges on an X2 power battery. And there's a lot of dudes who are fishing like John does on that high level that run X2 power batteries as well. And I know what you're thinking, Alex, do I really need a battery like this if I'm just out here weak and warrior 
one, two, three, maybe four weekends, you know, out of the month if I'm really, really lucky, or you're the dude who's out here like aspiring to be like John and you're wanting to go and do this thing, do you really need batteries like this? Well, here's the deal. I've said this, I'll say it again, and I'll keep on saying it. The best battery that you can have is the one that you forget that you have, and that's what X2 power batteries are. You demand power and you demand something that works all the time. As long as that battery is charged, it is going to work. From lithium to AGM, they have got you covered. And like I said, I'm running X2 power batteries in everything that demands a battery and they just flat out work. And what's really cool is X2 power batteries is starting to expand the line. We're coming outside of the battery market and we're starting to do some other lithium applications like a jump starter pack. This thing is awesome. It's about the size of like maybe like two Coke cans put together and the thing will jump your truck off. Like you don't need anybody else. It's just this lithium power pack. We've also got the lithium air pump. It's a little mini air compressor, runs on a lithium battery, again, about the size of two Coke cans. That thing will be able to pump up your tire on your boat trailer, and your kayak trailer, on your truck, whatever it is. So X2 Power Batteries is not only making the best batteries on the market, we're starting to expand outside of this thing, some utilitarian things that we as outdoorsmen demand and need in our life, and you need to check out X2 Power Batteries. You can either go to a local Batteries Plus near you, walk in, ask about X2 Power Batteries to be able to help you out, or go to x2power.com, either place. Either place, use the code RUDX2, that's R-U-D-D-X, the number two, and they will save you 15% off your entire battery and or non-battery purchase. As long as it's got an X2 logo on it, you're going to save some cash. Now, without further ado, let's get into this because John really does lay down some real deal kind of knowledge on the mentality of fishing at a high level like he does. So it's multifaceted, and that's where the outsider looking in uh, may wonder why the conversation is not full blown of, you know, talking about the skill sets and getting your rods ready Mm. and all that. That's a part of it, but I haven't touched my rod since I really got off the water because for me, the multifaceted side is I've got a family support. Mm. Um, And we've gone through some, you know, financial hardships and stuff this last year. Listen, I lost one of my title sponsors, went to prison for fraud. He wrote me. A multi, I mean, I had two, I had six figured income coming in for a five year contract and they, those checks bounced and they went, they, you know, he went to jail, went to prison, not just for mine, but obviously defrauding other people. Um, so imagine that you're starting your season, you basically have to move away from the business that you built and, and brand, and then you've got a title sponsor and, and that, and that check doesn't, it, it bounces, it doesn't cash at all. Um, you know, and that was the start of my season, let alone other, other things. So, yeah. you know. It, it is expensive, expensive, expensive. Um, I feel like I'm where I need to be inside the fishing industry. Yeah. And I don't know where exactly that's going to lead me. But right now, I can go back and just start laying tile. Mm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my heart's in the fishing industry, man. Mm. It really is. Mm. And so starting the Save More Outdoors, where we can sell fish and tackle, we can sell outdoor equipment, we can mm. talk and provide things to uh, to be inside the fishing industry world, uh-huh. I'm in my happy place, man. Yeah. I'm just out there draining putts, just in my happy place. Yeah, I love it. And <laughs> the problem with that is uh, sometimes those putts, you know, I'm not really on the PJ. I'm kind of on the putt putt golf tour, and I'm celebrating, and no one else is cheering, and I definitely ain't put no money in my pocket. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I've got to figure out how to drain that putt yeah. and put money in, in the bank. Yeah, and and to have synergy with what you're doing in life, right? Yeah. Like. This professional uh, fishing thing, I can't, uh, I've learned now, I can't rely on sponsors. I can't, I hope for them, and I'll do my best to fight for them and do it, but I lost, I mean, honestly, 
I lost five five other major sponsors last year because after I went through my depression stuff, I ended up deciding to shut my uh, my my phone off for three months. Mm. Did no social media for three months. I needed to reset myself in life. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I go back to talk and get re-signed on my contracts. And you know what the sponsors, they didn't call and check on me. Mm. They didn't say, hey, John, I'm seeing you're having a miserable year. What's going on in your life? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm going to speak real slow right now and say, I lost a child. Mm. I lost two aunts and uncle. And my 21-year-old nephew fell off a roof and died. All right. And beyond, I had a tornado hit 13 of my houses. I, I have some rent houses. Mm. I had, and, and I'm telling you just some, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Mm. And listen, mm. um, there's a scripture that talks about, um, uh, there's, there's, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you here in a minute, but um, basically the clouds are the dust of his feet, okay? The, the storm that's going on, uh, I don't know what, what God has in, in store for me. I know that I work hard in whatever direction I feel like I'm planning. I know that I'm going to do everything I can for myself. I'm not going to be helpless over here. I'm going to work hard. But sometimes, man, you, you work in a direction you feel like you're supposed to go, and all of a sudden the door just slams. And, and, and that door on the fishing industry looked like it was slamming on me mm. last year. And when I turned the phone back on to call some of my sponsors, you know what they told me? Mm. They said, hey, we did a social media audit. We're no longer going to sign you. You didn't do enough social media with you with us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so there's no way, reason to argue. There's no reason to fight. You get your feelings hurt a little bit. You know, it doesn't feel good. Mm. Um, but they didn't check on me. They don't care. They really don't care. Mm-hmm. All they care about is you moving. And, and what's What's ironic about that is I've received that message from him, and I remember I've been on that side of the fence too, mm. and I made that same phone call to guys, and I've been insincere to people. Mm-hmm. And so as a man, it's like evaluating who I am and how I'm dealing with people mm. and seeing all the things that I've done. You know, it's like, hey, man, it's time to get real humble, and you start looking at yourself, and you're like, man, this conflict that's in my life, I have a responsibility to it. Sometimes I don't know exactly. Everything feels like an attack, mm. but there's things I could have done better mm. and, and I could have communicated things, but I could have said things a different way. I'm, mm. I'm kind of a, a feisty, fiery man that gets right to the point real quick. And some oh, people yeah. get offended by that. And, oh yeah. Um, you know, but I don't know how to, any other way to communicate. I don't, I don't understand dancing around the subject. I don't yeah. get it. Like, what are, we, what are you trying to say to me? Like, yeah. what are we like? Yeah. Oh, okay. I raised my voice. Does that mean I'm a bad guy? No, actually, I actually care about you is what I'm yeah. raising my voice. Around. Oh, yeah. I don't want to understand yeah. what exactly you're trying to I've say. Said, to me. I've like, said that many a times. It's like, I, like you're yelling at me. I'm like, I'm yelling at you because I love you. Like, uh, why? Yeah. like, let's fix this yeah. problem. Yeah. I'm right there with you, dude. I get that. I get that. I feel that. Yeah. So, so how do I, how do I have a chance of a lifetime? And what I mean by that is fishing the Bassmaster Elite Series is a chance of a lifetime. Mm. It's been a dream of mine. I could back away right now. I could call in and say, hey, I'm going to retire. But I never even got started, man. And, and, I, and I just feel like I'm made for something more in this moment than what I was last year. Mm. And so I'm digging down roots deep. Mm. I'm working nonstop. Mm. I'm getting myself in a position. I'm building another brand. Uh, I feel like I'm very good at marketing. And I love marketing mm. business. So I'm going to market. I'm going to, I'm building relationships with new sponsors and I'm going to go all in for them. They're, they're going to get the benefits that the other guys last year didn't get. Cause I'm not going to have, I'm not getting that phone call ever again. Yeah. That says you didn't do enough. Never happened again. It's never been, no one's ever accused of that. Me in my entire life. I've mm-hmm. never been accused of not doing enough. Yeah. Never. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. And I, I know I wasn't myself last year, so I'm coming out a new man and I'm going to fight to build my business so that I financially can support. And in turn, by fishing the professional trails of the MPFL and the elites, I'm hoping that I can promote my brand and build my brand. So they go hand in hand with each other. Mm-hmm. I did that before with other, my past company and I'm going to do it again in the future. And I'm, I'm going to hope and ask 
for everybody in the future. I mean, there's no need to come out and beat my chest and say, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, because I've done failed enough that everybody knows I'm not the best in the world. Yeah. But maybe I can reach out to people and say, hey, you know, help me with my dream. And, and in doing so, I'm not asking for a GoFundMe account. I've gone out here and risked everything I've had. I put everything, all you know, all the, my eggs in a basket. I got all the skin in the game. And all I'm asking is just, you know, hey, come do business with Save More. Support. Yeah. We're going to give you great deals. We're going to pass things on. So that is how... So when it's multifaceted, mm. once I get that foundation in place, I'm at peace, and now I can start talk, talking about fishing. Yeah, I can start talking about how much better I fish when yeah. I got peace and I'm, I'm enjoying myself and when I'm laughing yeah. on the water. Yeah, when I'm in a bad place, man, I don't catch a fish in five minutes. I'm 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 thinking about all sorts of things I shouldn't mm. be thinking about. Mm-hmm. And at this level, the fishermen is they're so great, dude. Like mm. I give all the props in the world to fishermen that are on the elite series. They oh, are yeah. the greatest I've ever been around. Yeah. It's actually got to, it's, it's intimidating. It, it actually is. Mm-hmm. And, and people really don't being, understand to like back you up there. Like you guys and, and like professional fishermen, I, I'm, I'm friends with several of them. I mean, like even like fishing with Edwin, it's like a different gear. Like y'all, there's something about like, I, I love to fish and I, and I enjoy tournament fishing on the kayak side. And I love to just, you know, go fun fishing in my boat. And, and I love to fish. And I can hit a certain gear, but like there's another like gear that you guys drop it down into, and like there's certain dudes that are doing it that even have a higher gear than that. And it's like if you're not in that high gear, you're not running it freaking ten thousand RPM, you're just not even you're sitting still when it comes to some of these dudes. Like there's something about I call them fishy people. Like you know what I'm talking. You just been around someone who's fishy, and the thing you're is, right. is everybody for the most part at the professional level is just fishy. Like they go and catch fish, no matter what's going on, where they're at, they perform. And that is so hard to do on that high stakes level because, and I'm sure we'll get into this. It's like, not only like what you said, you have to have your base, like your mentality, where you're at, you know, with your mental health, where you're at with your family, your finances, that has to be like the solid foundation. But then on top of that, you start to build like, you know, you got your skill set and then you've got your, you know, your ability to the physical ability to be able to run and gun and go and drive all over the freaking country and be it, you know, I mean, this year, what you're going to fish 16 different events, if not more. And it's like, and then, then there's a level above that. And like, there's, this is all this scaffolding that leads to being a Jacob Wheeler, Kevin Van Dam, whoever these, you know, you, you know, you want to put your, put a label on, on the best in the world. And so, yeah, I just want people to understand that. Like, that's what John is, and I'm sure you were going to explain that, but I just wanted to make sure people really understood. Like, that's what he's talking about. Like, you got to have this solid foundation of a base before you go try to be, I mean, like LeBron James and, you know, Tiger Woods and like the greats in other sports. I can promise you they had that same sort of scaffolding to make them the greatest in the world. But anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. Tiger Woods, I, 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 Tiger, Woods wouldn't be who, Tiger Woods wouldn't be who he was today if it wasn't for his dad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Absolutely. no, no kid at four years old decides to go to the golf course and be, you know, his dad took him there and trained him on walking through. Yeah. He had a foundation and support yep. and, you know, obviously he did with it, what Tiger Woods is. And I'm not taking away from Tiger Woods. I'm just talking about the teamwork aspect behind it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing today without my support of my wife. There's just zero way. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing woman yeah. that, that, I mean, dude, to put up with the things I do, like you're talking about the serial entrepreneur. I mean, uh, I've, I've done some things, um, and 
it's crazy stuff. You know, I mean, I do, I do deals daily that most people don't get an opportunity to do. A lot of times people don't get to do in a lifetime and I'm doing them daily trying to, and so, you know, but that's how I'm built. That's how I'm wired. I got my strengths. I got my weaknesses too. Some of my, some of my weaknesses are other people's just normal. Like how can John can't function and do this simple task? And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't do this simple task. And I learned that I can't. So I I just stay away from the simple task. People think I'm being lazy that I, I get accused of being lazy a lot of times. Why would John have me do that simple task? Well, it's because my brain is, it it functions differently. And and I understand that about myself and it it helps and it helps me on the water. Um, uh, You know, you talk about uh, the guys that are fishy and I love that word. I've always loved that word. Um, I'm going to liken it to this. Have you ever met that kid maybe in high school? that had all the talent in the world. Maybe he was a ball player of some kind. He had all the talent in the world. Mm. Um, but you know what? He had so much talent. He really didn't have a work ethic. Mm. And he never worked on his physicality. And he never just, and by the time it was time to go to the next level, mm. his talent didn't carry him to the next level because he, phys- he wasn't physical enough. His physicality, he hadn't, he hadn't worked out. He hadn't trained. Mm. He hadn't done all the things that these other kids that weren't as good at him had continued to do. Mm. And now all of a sudden they're stronger than him. Mm. And they're literally just beating them up because they're stronger. Mm. He's he's still got more skill, mm. but his skill can't overcome their strength. Mm. And I'm going to tell you that that's what it's like. If you think you're a great fisherman, and maybe you are, when you make it to the elite level, get ready to be physical, man. Mm. The, you cannot relax for five minutes. Mm. These guys are nonstop working, 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 working. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the fishing world, and I'm using the word problem, and I don't mean it in a negative way. The difficulty about the fishing world is, Look, we're on a podcast at nine o'clock tonight, right? Mm. I mean, here's here we are. We're still working, we're still grinding, and we have nothing to do with on the water. It has nothing to do nothing. with on the water. Nothing. And especially to, in the world where you got where you, you know, you check back in after three months and sponsors are going, you've not created enough social media. And here's the deal. I know I'm part of the problem. I've grown this. I won't say I'm part of the problem. I am. I am part of a new wave in the industry, right? I'm part. And this of is it. and this is what I'm here to address right now. But like, but like, I'm part of a new wave in the industry. And here's the deal. Here's what people don't understand. And and I'll tell you this. And I would tell any professional fisherman this. Here's what you just said about working hard. Like these guys didn't see the years and years and years of me staying up to one, two, three o'clock in the morning, getting right back up at five o'clock, drive to work, work 40 hours a week, coming home, kiss my wife on the mouth, eat a little bit of dinner, then get on calls with companies and start editing videos and stay again up till three o'clock in the morning. For 10 years, I did this to grow Alex Red Fishing into what it is. And here's the deal. The basis of what Alex Red Fishing is, I'm not the biggest and I'm not the baddest but I am the hardest working man in the room. You will not outwork me. And it's just like what you said. Like I don't, there's certain things that I'm good at. There's certain things I'm definitely not good at. It's I'm dude. I'm the same way that you are. It's like simple tasks. There's, I have people that my wife does all the accounting, all the emailing, all the invoicing, simple things that most people know how to do. Alex can't do that because I have other skills. I'm more artsy, more fartsy, more be able to run the camera edit. But anyway, like you're not going to outwork me. And sometimes working hard and the meritocracy of what we do is where I win. And like I I said this the other day, I've been, I've been doing my cold plunge videos and and kind of talking through some ideas and some things that have helped me as a man and as an individual to build what I have and continue to build what I have and literally not take my foot off the gas. And one of the things I talked about is meritocracy. It's a meritocracy. The world in which we live is a meritocracy. You are rewarded based off your merit, your work ethic, and what you can bring 
to the table and what your value is. Now, that's a lot of different things right there I just said. Like a lot of people just go, well, I mean, I work hard. It's not what it's working hard is only a component of the meritocracy. You have to then prove your worth. And then you have to have skills that no one else has that you can plug into those places that someone else can't. You have to prove your worth in this system. And when you prove your worth, that is the reward that you will be given. And like that, I love to hear what you're saying and to hear somebody else that has a similar mindset, not to not to create an echo chamber for my own ideas, but to know that I'm not the crazy one. Because I feel like everybody else just wants to sit around ho-hum and complain that that they're not getting something that they want, but they don't understand that all the hours, all the things we do extra, the sitting on a Friday night at 940 while everybody else is chilling and like winding down the week, dude, my week literally just started again. Like my week goes from Saturday to Saturday. Like I don't get days off. Now we have cool jobs where, yeah, we do have a flexible schedule and we can do certain things when other people can't do them just because of the reality of what we get to do. But all at the same time, it's a meritocracy. Like, it's how much work you're willing to put in. And here's the deal. When I quit being a teacher and I was working 80, 90 hours a week and started doing content full-time, guess what? I kept on working 80 or 90 hours a week. It just, I got rid of the teaching job and was able to make more money fishing. I mean, that's all that happened. I traded one thing for another and and the meritocracy continued and the hard work continued. And so... Yeah, I I just I had to put I had to put that out and out there because like a lot of people don't understand that and I, that is exactly what you're talking about right now is just like the meritocracy of the system in which we work and you have to be a part of that meritocracy and you have to be willing to input into that meritocracy to get reward. I understand it, man. And you know, you talk about the negativity that's out there in this world right now. Um, I think we're coming from a time frame that, as a people as a whole in the United States, is is more specific we're the best most blessed we have it the easiest out of any civilization of any time ever you can you can literally be 300 pounds overweight not even work and lay on your couch all day and watch jerry springer Mm -hmm. and still somehow survive Mm -hmm. and you're still surviving Mm -hmm. matter of fact you might be surviving a little bit better than some of us that are out there risking everything like you and, and and here's what's happening is the life the world is getting it's getting a little bit tougher you know the economy ain't where it's at there's a lot more insecurities about the future of America. Mm. There's potential wars on, on, on all fronts. And inside each of every one of us, we're, we're lost. We, we don't know where we're supposed to be at. Mm. And when things start making it uncomfortable, you can look deep and down inside of yourself and look to God and try to correct the things that you have. Mm. Or you can look at your brother across the way and you can blame him for your mm. hardships. And you can get so irritated and hold it down inside of you that when, you know, when John Sokup gets excited and posts a 10 pounder that he's dropping in the lake, you can just get on there and keyboard warrior him and tell him <laughs> how he's killing every fish in the ocean. And, and, and I don't know how to release. And I broke every jaw, every bass I've ever held. And, and that's, that's real world. That's something I dealt with this week. And, and I used to turn everything off in it and, and like, and, and it actually got to me and now I'm just having fun with it. Yeah. I don't mean to tease people and get them. Now I'm having fun with it. I'm having yeah. a little fun with that stuff, Yeah. but that's what's going on, man. And you got people hating each other over the dumbest things on earth. When it's true, they're just not spending time. We're, we are not spending time to evaluate where we're at yep. personally yeah. and, and, and fighting over, you know, what our favorite plastic worm is. Um, it, 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 it's, 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 I'm going to use the word silly, but you and me both know that there's a lot more deeper words than you can use than just silly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy that we're doing this. It's crazy that um, everything becomes so political and that we, we have to be on one side or the other. Yep. 
Um, I mean, listen, I built a business based on, on Lyscope. I built a business. I sold more Lyscope than probably anybody yeah. in America, maybe more than anybody. Okay. Yeah. We, we labeled ourselves the pioneers. We were doing things with Lyscope that nobody, way before a bunch of people, right? Yeah. You know who I just got the phone with last week? Had one of the best phone calls I've had, most supportive phone calls I've ever had uh, in the last month was with Randy Blockett. One on one, man. When you know what our conversation was about mm. is why can't people treat each other right, dude? Why it, can't we disagree amen, and just show amen. each other some love? Amen. And walk. Now, listen. I know that. Don't don't get me wrong. I've seen Randy post some things in the past that I thought was directed at me. Now he didn't use my name, <laughs> but I was like, hey, man, that's that's some coincidental timing. Yeah. yeah. But then I but then I take a step back and I understand what he's doing. Yeah. He's trying to feed his family, and he understands that you know a little bit of. Rubbing things a little wrong gets that you know algorithm going, and he yeah. gets people coming to him, and he makes you know, and he's putting food on. He's like little kids too; he's putting food on the table. But when you talk to him one on one, dude, he's just as kind as can be. Mm-hmm. He's supportive. Mm-hmm. He actually uh, gave ear to some of the things. Mm-hmm. And and may, maybe I'm trying to make the most extreme examples I can, but dude, those are the things that's going to grow the sport. That's you know, we got inefficient. I got inefficient for the love efficient. Mm. I did not say the word fish when it was my first word because I just thought I was going to become a billionaire fisherman. <laughs> I didn't even think about that in my mind. Yeah. I fell in love with fish because something inside of me says, you're instinctively a fisherman. Yeah. Go catch green fish. Yeah. And when I do, something inside my body says, you're, you've made it. You've yeah. done what you need yeah. to do in life. Yeah. Now go do it again. Oh, I mean, dude, if it and, swims and it breathes through gills and I can get it on the end of a hook, my body goes, yeah. all right, you did what you needed to do today, Alex. Good job. All right, you can go on now. Yeah, yeah I get that, yeah. dude. And no, I love to hear and dude, Go ahead. No, go ahead. We, we used to cheer and shout and give each other fives, and we're standing on a pond in our basically underwear because we stripped down to nothing, have no socks on, we've been wading with mud in there all day long. Yeah. And, and, and the bass is actually this long, and we're calling it a four-pounder. Yeah. And, and, and dude, you know what? It's all good, man. Yeah. It's all joy. And, and that, is, that is what I want to bring back into my life and, and stay focused on. Now, we all know it's more difficult, man, because I got responsibilities and I got the bells, the collectors knocking on the door. Yep. And we know the stress level and stuff that that brings. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I need to get on and, and, and chomp on somebody and, and get all negative and talk. Well, like he, there's Here's the deal. You said you don't want to be extreme. But the thing is, is we live in an extreme world and we live in an extreme time where everybody thinks not everybody, but a mass majority of the people think in ultimatums and they think in extremes. It's either left or right. It's either live scope or no live scope. It's either JDM baits or it's a knockoff. There's no in-between ground to understand, like, there's so much nuance to all of these conversations. Like, and so when someone makes a YouTube video, and Randy does it, and the thing is, I have to say, I have a immense amount of more respect for Randy than I ever have before, just because of his recent podcast interviews that he's been doing. And he's really showing that like, he just has an opinion and he has a point of view and he really is worried about something that is much grander than just the live scope unit itself. And what he's worried about is a much more nuanced problem that I think that we are trying to wade into. But the problem is, is we do not live in a nuanced world anymore. And so like, you know, to, to, to not want to be extreme, I love that you don't want to be extreme, but it's like you almost have to be extreme and sound extreme. It's just like the thumbnail on this video. You know, I, the, the thumbnail is, is the life of professional bass is it heaven or hell. It's just to get people in here just so that they can listen to this conversation. Now, there's going to be people who get pissed off once they get in here and they realize like, oh, they're not bashing somebody. But hopefully 
once those people have made their comments and they go on, that the people that remain are the people that I want to speak to that are going, man, this is like a much more nuanced thing than I ever thought that it was. And like, that's the thing, like the industry, like the world, I mean, this, it's such a nuanced thing we're doing here. And at, at the end of it, like you said, you had a conversation with Randy on the phone. If you, if, if we, as people got off our freaking phones and we looked at people face to face and we had conversations and we shook hands or even just got on the phone and talked to somebody, the world would be a much better place because when you're communicating with characters on a keyboard, it does not express the way that the words that you really want them to come out or how they're how you want them to come out. Because you're gonna read it with inflection differently than I'm gonna read it with inflection. And you could read anger, I could read whatever. And and that's not how we need to communicate. And so, yeah, dude, I mean I 100% agree. I just think, I think you don't want to be extreme, but we live in an extreme world full of so much nuance that needs to be fleshed out. And I just hope that conversations like this can help to flesh some of that out. You know what I mean? Listen, man, back in the sixties and fifties, sixties, there's so much testosterone in this world. And ever since they got away with spanking wives, guys just go home and spank their keyboards, man. They just spank them and get mad and angry. They don't have enough testosterone (laughs) to raise their head to their wife. So, Listen, if you think if you think uh, beating your wife's dirty, I think the same thing about you keyboard warriors, man. You're just as bad as a wife beater. That's all I think about you. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. No, nah, dude, I tell you, man, you just can't even look at those comments. Like you can't even you can't even dig into them, dude. I mean, like I, I literally I, I respond to I respond to positive comments. Everything else just gets a pass because comments, man, are unhinged. I love it. So I had a I had a TikTok or not a TikTok but a um Instagram reel that's gone semi viral. It's it's rolling up on a million views right now. And I always tell people there's two stages of virality. The first one is like the people who are like, "Oh, that's like really cool and that's a cool thing that you did." Then there's like the totally just unhinged ones and I've now entered the unhinged phase and I would implore <laughs> anybody. It's a video that's it's I caught a smallmouth that's literally like half black. Like it was crazy. It's like had some kind of pigmentation problem as half black. Yeah. I never seen anything like it. I've caught them yeah. with spots but not like half and half. But anyway, go just read through the comments. They are hysterical. I mean, like, cause some of them are just so unhinged that you're like sitting there going, "What does that guy even mean?" And you're just laughing. But no, yeah, dude, you can't can't be in the comments, bro. You just can't even you can't even invest in those things. Yep. But well, yep. so you so you so you need to build your foundation first. That's what we were talking about, right? We need to build our foundation yep. before we can even focus on the fishing. Okay, so. Once we get the foundation built, though, what is it like for you to kick into the next gear or kick into that gear of like, hey, entry fees are paid. You know, we got to go get it on and we got to go make some money. Like, what what does that look like for you? Like, what's a what's the mental process that you go through just to get ready for that? Oh, man. It's all in on the middle. It's all in on the middle stage. There is nothing else. Mm. There's nothing else in life. You can't, you can't, you've got to let it all go. You got to learn how to compartmentalize. Mm. Um, you have to have all your gear in tune. Mm. All right. So like right now we're looking at the 29th of December. Mm. I got, um, uh, the end of the month, I've got to be ready to, to compete. I'm starting to build a business, I'm doing a podcast tonight. My wife just texted me and I'm like, well, I got a two year old that's sick right now. So, you know, I, all that kind of stuff comes in yeah. and you've got a boat that I don't even have built yet. Yeah. So somehow between all that, I got to build a business, get things going, 
get a boat. I don't even know how I'm going to get it, get, get it rigged. I don't even know how I'm going to get it rigged fully, get it wrapped, get all those still working on sponsors. Don't have the money to pay all the bills that I need to pay. So I'm having to, you know, close the sponsor deals yeah. and it's all going to come down in the next three weeks period. Plus I got to get the boat, get it broke in, get it, yeah. get it all. And I haven't, and then I haven't even touched my equipment. Mm. And what if I decided that I'm going to do different equipment than what I did last year? So, mm. you know, I mean, like that's all this next month. Mm. I don't have time. I got to figure out what's the most important. Do I focus on the lakes? Do I do study mm. methods? Um, I have found that I can overstudy. Mm. And yeah, if I overstudy, I find that I hyper-focus and I have not done well. Yeah. So I've done, you know, a little bit of reviewing uh, of the events and I kind of know what timing when I'm going to turn that on. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the next, next month I'll take a couple, uh, I'll take a couple days on the weekend, one, uh, one month to go uh, to ride around Toledo Bend and get my, I want to make sure that on Timber Lakes, like Toledo Bend and Fork is the next event after that that I've, uh, before cut off that I've gone and created the trails that I need mm. that I can run safely. Mm. You, it's very bad when you got a three. So the way the pros uh, on the elite side works completely off limits for 30 days, mm. obviously information off limits this whole entire time. We can't talk to anybody about any information. Mm-hmm. So I can't get trails. I can't get waypoints and all that stuff. And then, um, you get on a body of water and you only got three days. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes it only feels like two and a half days because the next day, you got to get all your stuff re-rigged. And when you're practicing with 30 rods, you got to re-rig rods and organize your boat after trashing the boat for two and a half days or working real hard to get your, you know, your, your fish found. You might have a piled up mess in your boat that you got to get organized and clean and fresh new line on before the next day to go compete. So you cannot spend time figuring out how to run around. You cannot be idling around between stumps for miles because your whole day will be wasted. So I'll go down and I will figure out uh, my trails in certain areas. I don't know if I'm going to fish in these spots or not, but I'm going to get those trails. Mm. And I don't care if there's buoy markers or not. I'm going to get the trails on my units because if it's foggy or if it's rainy or something, I want to be able to look down and be safe mm. and not be you know, concerned that I'm going to kill myself. So that is a big, so that helps take away the stress that I have of, well, how do I learn how to, you know, when that time comes, how do I get around? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to evaluate a little bit based on the conditions that I see uh, in different creeks and kind of look at, you know, we're supposed to have a cold winter, it looks like. So I'm going to look, look at a lot of all winter stuff. I'm going to look at a lot of staging stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to look at a few areas that I think, man, if they decide that we get a warm front, they're going to pop off and spawn, mm-hmm. that they're going to move into. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to strategically practice on day one by touching each one of those and kind of feeling what stage that these fish are, are going into. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to build more around that pattern and look at, you know, look at more and more stuff. Mm-hmm. And hopefully by the end of day three and going into day one, I've at least uncovered a starting point where I feel like I'm going to be around fish. Yeah. Every tournament that I've ever won or done good, I didn't go into day one of the tournaments thinking I'm going to win this tournament. Never happened. Yeah. Never happened. Matter of fact, anytime I've ever felt that way, uh, uh-uh, doesn't happen. Yeah. But I have, I have known anytime I've won or I'm going to call a top 10 a win too. Okay. I believe at this level, top 10 is a monster victory. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I've, I've left the dock knowing like there was no a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I'm going to catch a limit. I'm around enough fish. I'm going to catch a limit. Mm-hmm. And so then it's about settling in during the tournament day, staying super focused and developing the techniques, patterns, and learning the the, the behavior of the fish to start focused on catching the larger size fish. Mm. You know, in the elites, we catch it's the five, the, you know, the big five, right? Mm. We're not uh, we're not doing all you know all you can catch like MLF does. It's you know our five biggest fish each Are they day. Back to that this year? All it, everyone counts. 
Do what? Are they back to that this year? They everyone counts on the MLF? I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they are. I didn't know. So that. I just, you know, just to distinguish the reason why I'm saying that yeah. is because these guys can catch fish, but they can catch really big fish. Mm-hmm. They're really good at catching really big fish. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever experienced it, I do a lot of studies, right? Before I go to the lake, I'll study statistically what the tournaments that have been around that time of year, BFLs and different events, if the elites have been there, if mm-hmm. FLW has been there. Mm-hmm. And I and I come up with an average that I believe to be true of what that lake can produce for that time of year. Mm-hmm. And so I know what the winning weight should be. I know about the, the top 10 weight, and I know about the check cut ranges. So I know when I get around some fish, I kind of know what kind of quality of fish I, I found. Mm-hmm. You know, am I around check cutting fish or am I around top 10 fish? Mm-hmm. And if I'm around check cutting fish and it's early in practice, it's time to get around top 10 fish. Mm-hmm. You know, if I practice all long and I'm on check cutting fish, I'm going to go for the check cutting fish. I mean, that's all I have. But, uh, but, but with that being said, the elites are different, man. You take whatever law average you want, you go there, you better add a couple pounds. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? I'm, and I'm just talking about the top 50 cut weight. Day two, it's the only series out there. Check it out. Go see if I'm a liar. Go prove me wrong. The only series out there where the day two weights, you know, typically in the opens or anywhere else, MPL, anywhere else I've ever been, the cut weight, you know, you take the day one weight and you double it and then you subtract a pound or two. Uh-huh. All right. Because, you know, fishing pressure, uh-huh. people burn out their fish. The elites is the only trail out there. Day two, guess what happens? It the, goes up. The double down. The cut weight goes up. Yeah. You go out there and you bust 19 pounds on day one and you're feeling pretty good about yourself like I did at St. Lawrence. And I'm sitting in like, I don't know what place it was, like 70, 65th place. Or so. I can't remember yeah, that what it was. stupid, dude. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then I, I go out there on day two yeah. and catch 21 pounds, yeah. and I barely move up. Yeah. Everybody caught two more pounds than they caught the day before. And so those are the things that I'm mentally, you know, yeah. focused on. Yeah. And, and then everything else, man, is it, it's just fishing from there on. It's yep. just fishing. Yeah. And what I mean by that is everybody's good at casting. Everybody's good at reel and everybody's good at landing fish. Yeah. I mean, the times that you're not landing fish, it most of the time at this point, our equipment's so good. It's not the equipment. Yep. It's literally a mental thing. You're doing something wrong. Yep. You're doing something wrong mentally. You're not focusing on it. Yep. And so, so your mental game's got to be in check because, yeah. you know, I fished a UF, you, you follow, uh, open this year, mm. which you follow Oklahoma. And it's kind of a home lake for me. It's a couple hours. One of my favorite lakes to fish. And I'm still kind of going out of my depression rut. And I went down there to try to like, work my way out of it. Um, and so then I go to uh, an area. I get there. I'm shocked no one's even there. Yeah. And I'm shaky head. And all of a sudden, man, I hook into a five-pounder. And she's jumping all over the boat. And I got an alarm on my phone that goes off. Mm. And I'm literally trying to overcorrect by playing this fish too much. Because I know that I don't want to get too excited and pull the fish too hard. I got eight pounds this line. Mm. And that phone's wearing me out. So instead of focusing on the fish. I reach down with one arm to shut the alarm off of my phone. That thing digs at that time and pulls and pulls and pulls. So I don't have my hand ready to like, mm-hmm. you know, to back off the drag and it, and it doesn't slip the drag and it doesn't break me off, but it pulls, you know, yeah. that off. And and that day I lost about 22 pounds of fish. I ended up weighing in. I think, you know, I, I was probably still in the top 10 range or whatever, Yeah. but you're talking about the different. And then, and then day two, I caught 19 cause I, I mentally prepared myself. Hey, Stay focused. Every don't think about anything else. When you hook a fish, follow through. Stay patient. Let it like focus on the whole thing all the way until that fish is in your hands and in the boat. Stay focused. I didn't lose a fish. I ended up top ten in that thing. And when you look back on the weights, I forgot what I finished fifth or seventh or something like that. If I would have had that weight that I lost on day one, I would have won the tournament and I would have won it easily. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm happy with that. Help me, but but that's the difference between 
staying fully committed, mentally focused. Yep. And you know, yeah. everybody's a good fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and, and, the, and that is, I mean, that's just the truth. I mean, like there's so many times that I've found myself, it's, it's the same way. It's, it's nothing like our equipment is so good. Like I got the nicest, sharpest, stickiest, you know, Fusion 19 hooks. I've got the, all the brand new Abu rods and or Abu reels and Fenwick rods. I've got all the nice new stuff, right? Like I, everything works how it should work. I lose fish because of me. Like it's something that I'm doing, a, a mechanic that I'm doing wrong 99% of the time. And like that is, and that is so true. And I tell you another thing, like what you were talking about, like there's dudes that are just good at catching big fish, and like those dudes are really good at catching big fish. And that that's like one of the things. It's like I, I fish with a couple of buddies, and you know, in the summertime, we'll go take the little kayaks out and go float streams and little rivers and stuff. And and you know, a lot of people, I didn't even realize this until I kind of discovered it. Is like a lot of these streams got really big fish in them, and so I actually ended up catching almost. The, I was a half pound off the state record spotted bass this year out of a river that literally isn't any wider than my house. So that's the kind of cool crap we've got around here. Um, but like my buddies, they're always like, "Dude, Rudd, like, why do you always like like you always seem to catch the bigger fish, but you don't get as many bites?" And I'm like, "I go head hunting, boys." Like I'm going out there with the sole intention to catch the five biggest damn ones that I can. I mean, like, and like, so I'll take a nine inch glide bait and throw it in a Creek all day long. But when one comes unglued on it, it's probably going to be a five pounder. I mean, it's just the way that it is, you know? And, and so, and like, and there's certain people who can, who can do that and like just be head hunters. And the thing is they can do it with six pound test all the way up to 20 pound test and an eight foot swim bait rod and everything in between. And that's the most dangerous yep. dude to, to fish around because when they can do it all and do it well, dude, you got dudes that just mm-hmm. bust your damn mouth. I mean, they just bust your teeth in, you know? So, <laughs> uh, now that's cool, man. I, I like, I like that. I like that process, especially when it comes to breaking down the lakes. I mean, that's what I've found traveling around the country, you know, fishing some, some of the bigger level kayak tournaments. I mean, the biggest thing for me is, is when I get to the lake, you know, being in a kayak, obviously I'm, I'm much more kind of confined to where I'm at. Um, I, I, I thought, it, kayak fishermen, uh, the strategy is pretty simple. You just look for the fanciest bass boat that's out there. You just kind of row until you get right in front of them. Yeah, no, and we say, just what drop. Are you, what, yeah. are you, you think you own the lake? Yeah, yeah you just, just kinda, drop a waypoint you know, on just them. Push yeah. Them off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just make, yeah. I got a GoPro running. Do you want me to make you famous? That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this is advanced advanced kayak strategies yeah. by the underdog. John that's Stephen. right. That's right. But like. <laughs> But like being confined to a certain area, you know, so like it's the same thing. It's like I got to look at this lake and not figure out how to run it, but figure out where's the most effective area that I'm also not going to be with every other guy that showed up to this kayak tournament. You know what I mean? Like what can mm. I, where can I go find? And, you know, we do everything by length, but regardless of length, I mean, five pounders are five pounders. And I mean, they're 19, 20 inches long. That's just the way that they are. You know what I mean? And so it's like one of those things. I like that mentality of like, I do that as well. It's like, I look at the lake, I try to figure out like, what is the topography? What is the kind of just the general layout of this body of water? And, and I do that if I travel with my boat too, it's like, cause I don't want to put my boat in and tear a chunk out of the fiberglass. It's not fun. Neither do you like, yeah, we can get it fixed, mm-hmm. but we don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, we don't want to rip off a lower unit. So I like that. But now one thing I'm curious about, I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I've had a lot, and I've speculated, and there's been a lot of speculation, and I've heard a lot of things. And if you don't mind sharing, which I don't think you you will, what does it cost a man to fish 
on the Elite Series MPFL, you pick you pick your poison or heck, pick both of them. I mean, like, what is just entry fees, gas, and lodging look like for a year? Uh, you're you're going to be five thousand event nine events. So you have forty five thousand dollars in on entry fees. Um, so ninety thousand if you fish both tours. Yeah, Jesus. you you're going to have ten thousand dollars in fuel. Mm. And you're going to have about $10,000 in housing. And, you know, depending on if, whether you want to budget for your, you talk about your food mm. or whether you just consider that you're going to eat at home anyways. Mm. Um, and whether you're putting your tackle budget in there uh, additionally. Um, so it's very safe to say uh, the elite guy is going to spend $65,000 and guys that really pinch their pennies can save a little bit more. And there's going to be guys that are buying nicer houses and doing a little bit more. They're going to do more than that. I mean, you got like a guy like Brandon Polnick, who's also making, you know, a, 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 an amazing film mm. style thing out of his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And so, man, you got even more expenses to a guy like that. He's bringing his family with him and he's got, you know, so then we're not even talking about the trucks and the boats and, oh, yeah. you know, an $80,000 truck and $80,000 boat. And then if you got an RV, that's a quarter million dollar RV. That's basically you're on the road half. Like I'm not that guy. So there's what I'm saying is there's it levels. can go. Yeah. yeah it can yeah. go up. But I mean, to say that you can, if you were able to do it for $55,000, that is the man that pinched the penny to the max, Yeah. to the max, wow. to the max. I don't know that it's possible to be honest with you. I, I think, I think you're going to have to say it's a minimum $60,000. Golly. That's, um, that's a tremendous amount of money, buddy. That is a tremendous amount of money. And, and it's, and it's, so help me to understand this. And this is a legitimate question. I don't think I've ever asked a professional fisherman this question. So when I look at what I do in my world, you're a business owner, I'm a business owner. I look at ROI, so my return on investment. You know what I mean? Like everything that I do is like, is this worth my time, my effort, my skills? Am I going to make out of it what I need to make out of it? No, that's not to say I don't love what I do because I do, but it's just the, the simple fact of, like you said earlier, I mean, life's expensive. We got to pay for things. So I got to think about making money. What is, what is the drive to go and gamble $60,000, $90,000 in entry fees? I mean, essentially, you're going to gamble $90,000 in entry fees. What is the drive to go and do that to know that it could totally just, you could fail? Like what, what's the, I, I just want to get inside your mind. Like, and I'm not, I don't take this as a criticism. Don't take, I don't, I'm no, just, no, no, it's okay. I just want to get we're in, friends. It's all right. Oh no, yeah. Yeah. You're an idiot. No, yeah. no I'm just kidding. Um, no, like I just want to <laughs> like, I want to get it. What's the mindset? Like, ex, like try to ex, explain it to me if you can, whether you believe spending that money on those tournaments is gambling or not. One thing you don't want to gamble with is your insurance, health insurance, car insurance, boat insurance, home insurance, life insurance. I mean, God forbid you have to use that. You want to know exactly what you're getting and what you're paying for. And if you need help with that, because it is a complicated system that can be just convoluted sometimes, you need to give Matt Phillips a call over at First Choice Insurance. Matt Phillips is who I trust with all my insurance needs. I mean, he's the dude I can call up. He's going to explain it to me in layman's terms exactly what I'm getting for the price that I'm paying, and he's going to help me to be able to get what I need and not break the bank. And that's what Matt Phillips of First Choice Insurance does. You know, when I started content creation, the biggest hurdle that I had was health insurance is just ridiculously expensive. The thing is, is you guys are probably in the same boat that I am. 
make just a little too much money to get that really affordable insurance like off the marketplace and all that stuff. So me and Bethany were looking at plans that were freaking $2,000, $3,000. I mean, absolutely insane astronomical prices. Well, when I got Matt Phillips a call over at First Choice Insurance, he was able to line me up with a policy that gave me the coverage that I needed without breaking the bank. And that's exactly what I was looking for. There was no BS. There was no beating around the bush. He said, Alex, this is the price. This is what you're going to get. And this is your coverage on it. And I was like, dude, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And so if you're looking for that sort of help, give Matt Phillips a call over at First Choice Insurance. It's 573-686-2870. Again, Matt Phillips, First Choice Insurance, 573-686-2870. Or you can check him out on Facebook. Just send him a DM. Tell him, Alex, Sent you. Now, without further ado, let's uh, let's see John's mentality about spending that sort of money on the gamble of tournament fishing. I'll explain it to you like this: um, Have you ever got on a podcast and asked a NASCAR driver why he's racing those cars, knowing he could die at the next race he goes to? No, but let me let me rebuttal to that. Those okay. dudes make a lot of money. And don't have to pay anything to play at that But is level. money worth death? Is money worth death? They're risking their lives. Okay, okay, go on, go on, go on. Okay. There's something burning. There's a burning desire in those guys to go faster than anybody ever has gone. Mm. And and it's not always – there's some guys that have the burning desire to be the best there has ever been. Mm. I, I'm personally not that guy. Mm. Um, I want to be as great as I can possibly be at the thing that I love the most in life. Mm. And that's fishing. Mm. I've had opportunities in life to do business and make a lot of money. And, and I've pressed really hard at those opportunities and found myself to be in a miserable state. Mm. Um, and I found that money to me wasn't the thing that was my happiness. And, um, I, I want, I want to be, I don't care if you do the math on the ROI of the time that I spend and find out that I could have worked at McDonald's and made more money. If I'm able to work as hard as I can, risk what I can and enjoy life doing what I love to do, put Mm. food on my kid, my table. And I've got four kids at home that love each other, that you never hear any bad words come out of my, and they're a beautiful family. That's a reflection of, of something that I, it's not of me. Um, I want it life, man. I want, Mm. and you know, that's a big dream. It's a gigantic dream and it's going to take a big risk to do it. And if the risk is $60,000, then, then that's the risk. Mm. And that's what, that's what we're doing. And that's, I'm, I'm okay with taking the risk of taking that five, those 500 laps, knowing that one of those laps I could be leading, but I could also die if I, mm. if I turn to serum. Mm. And so that's, that's what drives me as a professional fisherman. I love fish. I love figuring out fish. I love, talking about fish i love teaching i used to love i was one of the bass nation uh youth directors mm. i used to love teaching kids uh, uh mm. about fishing i, I yep. mean it was just a passion to me and yep. and so to be involved in the fishing industry and the fishing world is really my dream and if this is the path that i'm on and it's temporary or if it's more permanent we'll see how well i do mm-hmm. um i'm okay as long as the end is that i get to do what i enjoy to do in life um to make a living. I love it. Oh, that's a great answer. I like that answer. I really do. No, I, and I, dude, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat. I mean, it's, it's obviously I'm not on the professional side of things. I do the content side of things, but I mean, at the end of the day, my happiness 
and my family's happiness and my mental health and my wife's mental health and, and our journey in life and, and everything that I've got to be able to do through what I do is ultimately why I do it. And, and so to hear you say that warms my heart because it's like one of those things we talked about this on the phone a little bit. Like you talk to certain dudes and they're like, man, I can't wait to get away from fishing. I can't wait to put the rods away. And it's like, it's just an obligation to get out on the water, but you really genuinely seem to just have the burning passion for wanting to do it. And I mean, so I've got a cousin who's a former NFL football player. And the thing is, is like, it's the same. These dudes get paid a lot of damn money, but it's like the the toll that it takes on the body and the way that they get beat up and the things that, that happen to them. Again, they get this huge financial reward, but there is at the basis of it all, they love football. Like they love football. Like we love catching little green and brown fish. Like it is an unexplainable burning need to go and be outside and see in my, my, and this is funny, you know, you were talking about earlier, like your heroes were like Roland and, and, you know, those guys, you know, like my dude that I watched and that you're going to crack up when I say this, my dude that I watched was Steve Irwin. Like, I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to go be Steve, but I wanted yeah. to also like do it in the fishing world, but like go and explore new places and like <laughs> go out and touch things mm. nobody else has ever touched before yeah. and go and experience the world in that way and like show people the just like show people the bald eagle flying, show people the trout, you know, swimming in the stream, take that kayak and go explore somewhere no one else has and like and then share that through the lens of a camera. And so like we're just we're we're on this path and like this path is like this. And it's just like, but we're just two totally opposite ends of the spectrum. But no, thank you for explaining that to me. I just like, I find it interesting because again, it takes all kinds, right? And I've talked to a bunch of different people about professional fishing and all that. It's just always in my mind. It's hard for me to like grasp that. Like, how do you, how do you gamble that much money on something? But the way that you explained it is beautiful because I mean, it's, it's just where you find your joy and that's, dude, that's it. I mean, if your family's happy, you're happy food's on the table and the lights are on. I mean, dude, at the end of the day, can we ask for much more than that getting to do what we love? No, I don't, I don't think we can, you know what I mean? And so I got, I got one more question for you. And this one, I think it's, it's going to be a funny one, but like, I, and I asked Edwin this, Edwin Evers this as well. And I've asked a couple other pros. When, when, when do you, or when does somebody need to hang it up? Like, what's the point at which you're done? And I think about this a lot myself. Like, what does 10 years from now even look like? I have no idea. Like, it kind of freaks me out. It's a little existential. Like, do, like, do I work to retirement age doing this? I have no idea. Like, we don't know what tomorrow brings. But, like, what for you is the point at which you go, man, I need to hang it up? Or what's the point at someone else, they go, I need to hang it up? Hmm. Well, to be honest with you, I don't know that I can answer that question. I don't know that I'm built to. It's weird, ain't it? To understand that question, I I know that if I completely fail this year, if I fish the same way I did last year and my and my company is unsuccessful, I know that I'll have no choice but to hang it up. Um, my love for fishing will still be there, but the professional side of it uh, won't won't be able to be there. Mm. So there's that. Now I'm different than Edwin and that Edwin has got years and years and years. I will never be Edwin Evers. 
Evan Evers, the amount of money won, the amount of tournaments won, the amount of success, the amount of years uh, at a young age till now, I'll never be Edwin Evers. So his perspective on his side is completely different. Mm -hmm. But if you were to ask me, when would you hang it up on the professional trail side? And I was still being successful. So I was still able to be on the trail, right? I was still qualifying high enough for the elites and making, maybe making some classics. I've never made a classic. You know, I'd love to make a classic. Um, I would say I would, will hang it up when I've created an opportunity off the water mm. to be in the fishing industry and support my family still. Mm. That's, like that's my goal off the water is, um, is to build something. And, and I love building something in the fishing industry. I love being a part of it. And I have just as much joy doing, doing that. So when that joy on that side of that part, um, kind of override the the tournament fishing side mm. then i think i'll know that it's time it's time to hang it up yeah and you know a lot of people say well why you know why don't you just go full into the to the and, and it, uh to the business side listen i have i've built businesses i've gone full in mm. and i found that for me i go so much into one thing the way that i'm built that i need a release mm. i have to have a release because mm. otherwise Next thing you know, I'm only sleeping four hours a night. I'm not seeing my family. I'm not seeing my kids. I'm traveling all over the United States. I'm doing everything I can. Mm. And then once again, it's just all about the money, money, money side of things. And and so I need a release. And fishing's always been my release. Mm. So if I can have both hand in hand, then I'm kind of, I mean, dude, I've, I've, I, I said this, I was on another podcast the other night and I, and I, and I, and I, and I'll restate this. It's, it's such a weird feeling. It's such an odd feeling in life to be so close to make it in the fishing world. I'm so close, man, to make it in the fishing world. Mm. And yet it's like having that 10 pounder on the side of the boat. You get it inside, you get your hands on it mm. and she slips out. Mm. I am so close to having it. And yet I feel so far away, man. I feel so far away from actually being where you're talking about. I'm yeah. not there yet. Yeah. I've got a lot of work to do to get yeah. there. And so I don't honestly think that I have an understanding of, of how to answer that the right yeah. way. No, right. I no, I love that the answer. Truth. I love I love the truthfulness there because I mean neither do I, and I mean that and that's just the truth of it. I mean, it's a weird existential question, and and I and dude, and I'll be honest with you, and I actually talked about this on another podcast on my podcast a few weeks ago with some buddies of mine. I feel as though at any moment the rug could be jerked out from underneath me. Still, and I feel the same way that you do. It's like I feel like I'm right there. And in ways I'm not and in ways I am, but it's like at any moment the rug could be jerked out from underneath us. Like I feel it's like this weird, like always in the back of your mind feeling, you know what I mean? And, and it's, and I don't know how to fix that, bro. Like I really don't. I wish I knew how and I could give you. Oh, something. dude, I, I, I'm the same way and I don't think we fix it. I think that's your power source, man. Yeah. That's the, that's the kill, uh, the, the fight or flight inside of you. That's the. And that's the side of you that says you lean to flight, you lean to you lean to fight, not to flight. Yeah. And that's the side of you that says I'm I'm nervous as a man. I'm nervous to lose what I've built right now, mm. and I've struggled with that my entire life because I'm never I'm never I've probably been some times where I could be really content, but every time I've ever said, "Hey, self, take ease, man. Take take ease on this. You've done something. You know, pat myself on the back and got a little content with the moment that I'm in." Mm. I've turned around and be like, oh my God, I just lost. What did I just lose? How did I lose that? Mm. And then some guy that I didn't even know was working hard. That I've been out working 10 years is all of a sudden working harder than me. Mm. And he's taken my, my company. He's taken my, 
uh, my employees or he's taking uh, my 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 customers, you know, like mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And and you're like, all I had to do is not take my ease if I just kept. And so that's that that's that dog inside of you saying, hey, I'm a survivor. Yeah. And I, I don't it's it's how do you how do you keep that dog tame? Mm. Um, that's the trick that I'm one time, man, I used to look up to my, my grandfather. Um, he, he was, I remember he was 77 years old when we had this conversation because he said he had his double hockey stick mm. and, and I, and I, and he was this man that everybody loved. He could walk in the room and everybody, he made everybody feel like he was the most important person there. Mm. He always was smiling, always had jokes. Uh, just a beautiful man. And one time I asked him, cause I looked up to him so much cause I could, I was, I was young and I was fighting with myself and I was always having enemies. And I'm the kind of guy that just like, you either love me or you hate mm, me. Mm. And, and when I was younger, I didn't care if you hated me. Mm. And as I've got older, I've had more concern. I don't know if it's the sensitive side of you. Like, well, man, I don't really want people to hate me. Mm. And, and, and I've tried too hard to please people that I shouldn't. Mm. And I've relearned the situation. Hey, you don't worry about that. And so I, I reached out to my, uh, my, my grandfather this, this age and I said, Hey, grandpa, like how, how are you this way? And then I sat there and I listened. I thought I was going to get the words of wisdom from my grandfather. Like, he was going to heal me. Right. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, going to yeah. tell me yeah. what the, the wisdom of, yeah. the, of how to be who he was. Yeah. And you know what his response was? Uh, he said, I didn't used to always be this way. And I was like, oh, here it comes. Yeah. He says, you'll learn. Yep. You'll learn. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and here I am, 41, that conversation. I mean, I don't know how old I was in that conversation. It's probably 15, 16 years ago. Yeah. And uh, he's right, man. I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. I, I'm not there yet, but yeah. I'm learning. I love it, dude. That's why, I mean, it's, it's essentially why I asked you that, that last question about, you know, when do you hang it up? Because it's a question I've had myself and I want to know your answer because you're very introspective and you're a human that I can respect for your introspectiveness and your honesty to yourself, because that's something that I have worked really hard on, on for, for the past, you know, few years here as being very introspective, very empathetic and understanding and being very honest with who I am and what my thoughts are. And so it's like, I wanted to hear that, and and it's and it's good to hear that there's someone else, and I love that that it's that's the drive, you know, like that feeling that the rug's gonna be jerked out from underneath us at any point. That is the drive, dude. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's what keeps me, like it's it's this nervousness is the best way that I can put it that keeps me constantly moving forward, never stopping, always the next opportunity, the next handshake, the next email, the next relationship. And I mean, I'm glad I've got to know you. I mean, because now this is a relationship that. I mean, if, if if we're just buddies for the rest of our lives, that's good. But it's also could be something 10 years down the road that I call you up and say, hey, John, like, what you got going on? Like, let's work together. You never know, dude. And like, I love mm-hmm. that, dude. I, I love that. I love that, man. That's that's awesome, buddy. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, go ahead, buddy. You said something that triggered a thought. Mm. Empathy and ego are like two dogs playing tug of war. Mm. You can't have two winners. One's going to win. One's got to lose. Yep. So as, as much as I'd like to pat myself on the back and say, man, I got all the empathy in the world. I don't always have. And it's been up and down through my life. It's mm-hmm. cycled. Like mm-hmm. I found myself that when my, my dad was where he was at, I felt like I was at the, the lowest part of my life. And yet I was at the best part of my life. I, I had empathy and love towards everybody. I saw, mm-hmm. I saw things that I never seen. My eyes were open to the people and who all struggling out there. And, and I was careful with my words. And as time went on four years, one month, I, I got a little bit more ego back in me. You know, I got a little bit, the calluses started coming out, you know, going over that empathy and, you know, it, it, it's, it's something I'm not proud of. You know, I, uh, you gotta let, you gotta let the smaller dog win, man. Mm. You can't, you can't be the big dog inside you that wins. Mm. 
Mm. Um, and, and that, and that dog, that that empathetic dog, that little bitty puppy, um, it takes a strong man to let him win. Absolutely. It takes a really strong man. Absolutely. John, you're a good dude, buddy. You're a good dude. And I'll tell you this much, ma'am. I, um, I think you can be as great as anybody that has ever fished in a bass boat. And I think that you've got the mentality and the mindset and the work ethic to absolutely be as big and as bad and as, as, as any name that ever did it. And I think that you are the underdog and I think this is a good comeback year for you. And I am, uh, I, I don't really keep up with a lot of professional fishing, but don't worry, I'll be keeping up with with Mr. John Sukup this year and and seeing. What oh you man, got that's going awesome. On. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna keep up with you, buddy, and and I wanna I wanna keep up just with each other and and keep this relationship going, man, because you are um, you're a phenomenal human. I, I can just tell. I mean, this conversation has told me a lot about just you, and, and and you're a cool dude, man, and and I appreciate people like you, and I appreciate people like you in the world because I think the world needs some more people like us, you know what I mean? And, and so this has been a cool conversation. Is there anything else that the people need to know before we wrap this thing up? Something happened to me. Um, you know, when you're talking about gaining sponsors, mm. I was asked today, you know, they don't know what they could do as far as a sponsorship because they didn't know what kind of salesman it was. If I could close deals for them. Mm. And I thought, you know, I don't like to brag. I don't want to brag. Mm. You know, one of my greatest strengths is how humble I am. So I don't want to, I don't want to brag, mm. you know, but I told him, I said, you know, last night when I went to bed after 20 years of marriage, I had my wife cook me the best meal, my favorite meal, by the way. And I got extra kisses twice, twice, two. So I'm not saying I'm the greatest salesman, but I did do that. Hey. So I just might be the greatest salesman in the world. <laughs> Listen, outside of selling ice cubes to Eskimos, I mean, dude, that's a strong number two right there, son. Right, it that's a strong number yeah, two. Any married man, any married man understands what I just did. That's right. That's yep. right, dude. That was that was yep. a roll of the dice that hit snake eyes right there, son. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Well, listen, dude, I really do appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate your perspective, and I cannot wait to see what 2024 brings. And if you're not following this man on all of his social medias, you need to go do that. Um, Keep up with his journey, kind of see what he's going to be doing for 2024. And I will end this podcast by saying this, is that um, regardless of whether people like it or not and whatever sponsor it may be or whatever it is, you know, we get to work a really cool job because there's companies that support us. And so go support companies that support us. And like, whether you like them or not, I mean, pick the ones that you like, pick the ones that you don't, whatever it is, understand that like, you know, it's just part of what we do and it's part of the business. And I think probably John's a lot like me is that we only use things that we believe in. And if we don't like it, we're probably not going to use it. And so just kind of remember that. Cause I know as we keep up with John and what he's got going on that, that's going to be one thing that, that I'll see and will become will rear its ugly head is like, you only say things because you get paid to do it. And, but what you got to realize is they're helping to literally put food on John's table for his kids to eat, keep his lots on at his house. It's just part of the world that we live in that we got to get paid. And so I'm just putting that out there um, because, because I know this year is going to be an interesting year for, for you because you're going to have a bunch of big changes. And so as new stuff comes in and if you follow John on social and you follow him along this journey and you see those changes, just take them for what they are as John doing his job and working as hard as he can to provide for his family. So 
John, I miss anything? We good to go? Man, I, I appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate the opportunity to platform. I'll say this. If there's anybody that wants to support John Sokup, obviously my socials, John Sokup Fishing Pro. I've been hacked several times, so now i got like floating Facebooks that I can't get into. But the Fishing <laughs> Pro is my one. Yeah. Instagram. YouTube is the hookup with Sokup. And I'll tell you guys, listen, if you got a favorite tackle store or different places that don't know about Save More, a lot of people don't know we're just getting started. Mm. Look those guys up. Send them our way because we can provide them with products bargain bin deals of really great products that they can sell and they can pass it on to you guys, the consumers. So um, that would be something that we'd be extremely grateful for. If you could do save more outdoors.com is the website. Gang gang. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, you guys are sweet and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye buddy. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> <laughs>